Welcome to Making Strides for Animal Chiropractic, where we promote integration and collaboration. Whether you are just starting your practice or you are ready to push the profession forward, we aim to provide you all the tools necessary to form relationships and educate your community. After all, spines of all sizes deserve to be adjusted. Welcome to our podcast, and thanks for listening. Hey guys, it's Dr. Kato with Making Strides for Animal Chiropractic. This podcast episode, I have Dr. Amanda Massey of Elite Motion and Performance. She practices down in Austin, Texas, and we actually went to school together. She is an amazing equestrian where she has an uh, extensive background in polo and fox hunting, and she has a unique perspective on how to take care of humans and uh, animal patients very well. I hope you enjoy this interview, but first, a quick word from our sponsors. Hey guys. Treating patients is not about doing everything alone. When you're starting a practice, it can be hard getting out there, marketing yourself, talking to other providers about what you do. I get it. I am strongly introverted. I do not like talking to other people. And the last thing I want to do is try and sell myself. But it is really important when I'm working on patients that I remember I am working together as a team. So there are other parts to the animal care team and I need to do my part to reach out and talk with them and learn from them about what is important that they're doing that impacts what I'm doing and vice versa. So I really love the Evidence-Based Chiropractor, a program developed by Dr. Jeffrey Langmaid because it helps bridge the gap between medical doctors and chiropractors. So that way we can figure out what is best for our patients. If you'd like to learn a little bit more about his program, I recommend you looking him up on the Evidence-Based Chiropractor chiropractor.com. Hey guys, this is Dr. Katie with Making Strides for Animal Chiropractic. I have Dr. Amanda Massey here. She's an animal chiropractor down in Austin, Texas. I'm so privileged to talk to her a little bit more about starting her business and how she has grown from the ground up. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Massey. Hey, thanks for having me. I've been following you through the years and I'm really excited to be on here. You mean stalking me is what it's like. Yeah, in a good way. So we call it social shadowing now. Yeah. Uh, so t- tell me a little bit more about you, how you got interested in chiropractic and um, animal chiropractic by extension. So I um, I got interested in animal chiropractic as a teenager um, and college student. So when I was in high school, I played polo competitively all over the country on horses and, um, one of our polo horses injured her hip and our veterinarian recommended that we have a chiropractor come look at the horse. And he knew Dr. Bill Ormston and Dr. Bill lived near my parents' place, Northeast Texas. And so we had him come out and adjust our horses and he helped that horse rehab to where she could play polo again, which we thought she's out for six months or more. We'll never play polo. And she was ended up coming back, which I thought, wow, there's something to this chiropractic thing. Cool. Um, I went on to A&M and um, while I was in school there, all of my friends were going towards being veterinarians. And I was pre-vet at the time, but I really didn't want to become a veterinarian. And so I injured myself on a horse and uh, I went to see my boyfriend who was a cyclist at the time. He had a chiropractor and um, I went to see her in college station and she fixed me up and she was an animal chiropractor. And I, lo- I just thought she was the coolest lady also because you would walk in and 
she had this really cool office. She would adjust you. She would spend a few minutes with you, just like getting to know you and talking to you about your life. And then she would share like, oh, I went barrel racing this weekend and my horse, um, you know, won this and did that. And I was like, she actually has a life. She's a doctor with a life. Wow. Like, what does that look like? That's, I've never seen that before. Yeah. Um, with like with a personal life. And um, I thought, man, I really like that. I kind of want to have the ability to have horses, have a social life, but also be a doctor and help people and, um, and animals. And the fact that she did both, I was really interested. And she told me about Parker and I need to look it up. And so I ended up going to Parker and I went to Parker because they had an animal chiropractic program that you could take after you got your human stuff out of Once I was an intern, I was taking the animal chiropractic program Parker. So So is that mostly what turned you off of becoming a veterinarian yourself is the fact that you feel like the work-life balance as a career is not there? Oh yeah. It's a big deal. My sister actually is a veterinarian. My sister and brother-in-law. And um, it, it is like true what they say about being veterinarians being like one of the highest rates of suicide in as far as professions go, because you work your ass off all day, every day. And you have patients come in with sick animals that they don't know how to take care of that are the, the parent pet parent is rude to you and, and accuses you of being greedy and charging more than what they can afford to save their pet or you accidentally killed their pet. And so there's just constant guilt and also veterinarians. I'm sure there's veterinarians out there that will sympathize with this. They're all perfectionists. They have to, they have to bust their butt just to get to vet school Yeah, to be perfect. And so they want to be perfect in every single way. And they just signed up to be a veterinarian where you can't be good enough ever. Every day you fail and do that to a perfectionist is really hard on their mental status. For sure. For you sure. So. No, I can't. You know, what's interesting about human medicine is we have all these specialists, right? So we have a cardiologist, we have a podiatrist, we have endocrinologist, we have all these specialties and we're just one species, right? When it comes right. to veterinarians, you know, you're the dentist, you're also the cardiologist, you're the primary care, like you're doing all this stuff and you're doing it for multitudes of species, right? So it is so challenging to always be keeping up with what's the new thing, what's the, you know, that I have to be doing for this type of patient. And then does it work with this species? Does it not work with that one? And then all the stress of like trying to keep up with, you know, learning all this new thing and then doing right by your patient and then also doing right by the specialty, because I know plenty of vets that like they love repro, like they love reproduction and they don't like maybe ortho, like orthopedic kind of stuff or sports medicine. So like when you have a client that expects you to do something, that's not really your forte because, you know, you saved their animal 10 years ago or whatever, you know, they feel loyal to you. Why is it not okay that we also allow other specialists to join the team? Like, why do they feel responsible for all of it? You know, I, I don't really get it. Right. I'm always like, it's okay to ask for another opinion from the specialist that does that all the time. Right. So let your vet have a little bit of room to breathe and bring in more people onto the table. Right. Yeah. I think that's 
very common here in Austin to do that. A lot of people specialize and a lot of veterinarians specialize here. And so I've seen that um, here a lot, which is good. Um, But then if you go to a rural area, Mm -hmm. like where I grew up, the veterinarian had limited specialists he could refer to, he or she could refer to. And so for sure. It's all about your area, I think, for sure. too, depending on where you're at. Absolutely. Is your uh, sister an equine or small animal vet? She's a small animal vet now. She mm-hmm. started out as an equine vet and moved to small animals so that she could have a life and a work-life <laughs> balance. Yeah, just a full circle here, right? Was yeah. there a lot that you guys... Um, you know, was it interesting to you to have your sister taking that veterinary track um, while you were taking the chiropractic track? Did you guys compare a lot of notes about um, patient care? Yeah, I mean, I still compare notes with them because my brother-in-law is a radiologist, so mm-hmm. very helpful to send radiographs off to him to get a second opinion if I have trouble with um, other veterinarians and things. But, um, you know... We, we, she helps me a lot and I love the, the literature that I'm given too. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a great learning experience to have, have veterinarians in my family. And honestly, like they've probably leaned on me for some things too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like one time my sister's horse, which is like 30 years old, uh, injured her stifle and they were like, they video called me one time and they were like, Hey, how do you do that stifle adjustment? Tell me how to do it. Walk yeah. me through it. And I was like, okay. Yeah. That's like being a heart surgeon and trying to teach a massage therapist how to do like advanced surgery. It was a failure. And yeah. luckily, actually it wasn't a complete failure. My sister is great. Of course. Oh, good. She, is, she like, she actually did it awesome. and succeeded and the horse is fine now. Um, right. so old, but you know, Sound, sound, but old. Yeah. Well, you know, part of doing animal chiropractic is catering to geriatrics. I feel like a lot of patients I see, I mean, I see mostly small animal. So that kind of comes with it. You get a lot of the the pets that are older, have arthritis. Maybe they've tried plan A and B and now you're plan C. But tell me a little bit more about you and your practice. Do you see a lot of equine? Do you see a lot of small or do you see both? I see small animals and equine. Um, my passion truly is animal chiropractic. I also see people cause I'm good at that too. <laughs> ah, um, but it's, I was describing my practice as a family practice. So people and their pets in central Texas. And so I tend to attract people who are active, have active lifestyles and have active pets. I do have probably a mix between show animals, performance animals, performance horses, like hunter jumper, polo, endurance, um, barrel racing to, um, dogs that are like AKC show dogs. Um, but I also see geriatric small animals. I don't really see a ton of geriatric horses Mm -hmm. to be honest with you, because I don't know exactly why, but (laughs) <laughs> the majority of people probably don't want to invest in a yeah. horse that is just pasture ornament. Yeah. 
It's interesting. If they're deconditioned, I don't think they hold their adjustments very well, to be honest with you. So, and it hurts when they're arthritic. Remember that one time, did you come out to my place and we adjusted my like parents' old horses? Yeah. Cactus, I think his name was. Cactus of Paradise tried to kick us because she was so bony. She's like 30 years old. (laughs) We were still learning at that time, practicing for our tests and stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, it's interesting with small animal because, you know, that's a family member and I definitely feel the family part of the practice where it's, you know, it's like, let's bring grandma in, you know, (laughs) where we're trying to get everybody feeling their very best versus when you have a horse, it's more of a performance animal for a certain job. And we don't always see that with our canine patients. So I definitely get the difference between an investment approach because, you know, that horse client ultimately is trying to achieve a certain goal versus with a dog, you know, it is, it is very palliative where we're just helping them feel their very best. And there's benefits to both, um, you know, for the, the client. And then also, you know, for us, because I love having miracle stories, but I tell everybody it's kind of exhausting always having to perform miracles. <laughs> you know, I can't always shake a crystal ball and tell you your pet's going to be better. Sometimes they have other things going on and I can't fix it, you know? So I don't know your experience on, on a couple of those cases that you've had that are challenging. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. The miracle worker Uh reputation is hard. It can't be. Um, I always tell people I'm going to do the best I can. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things where I, I tell people honestly, like, Hey, I've seen this before and this is the percentage of time it's been successful. And this is the percentage of time it has not been with an animal you're in this condition. Mm-hmm. Um, based on how old it is, what the condition is, what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a couple animals that I thought, man, they're gonna have to be put down. And even I told the owner, I'm like, if this isn't better in a week or two, like we're need to put this animal down. Mm-hmm. And they bounce back. It's crazy. And it's like a miracle. And it's a cool feeling. I love it. Um, but every once in a while I'll get one and I'm like, yeah, let's give it a week or two and they don't respond. And it's been too long. Either that nerve has just not had enough, um, ability to function and it's just starting to atrophy all those muscles are, it's just not firing the, the, the fuel fire. It's not there. Mm -hmm. Um, it's probably not going to come back after a month or a long time. So Mm-hmm. you have to manage that for sure expectation so in austin we have a really cool organization called lap of love which uh-huh. is a house call based um euthanasia, euthanasia. yeah and i have a that friend actually that works for that organization and or she does i don't know if she still does but anyways um that has been another good referral source for me to help people like ease their pain when they do lose their family member. That's their pet. Yeah. Those kind of referrals are like, has been helpful. I think for my business to make those connections in Austin. Yeah. What other connections do you feel like it's important for an animal chiropractor to have when they're starting out? Like what other um, resource providers do you have in your network? Oh man. I mean, honestly, all animal people are good. I will tell the story because this is like one of those humbling moments in my life. Um, when I first moved to Austin, I was super poor and I just wanted to be around animal people desperately. And I got a job at 
PetSmart selling dog food. Bill Jack dog food. Yes, I had to set up my little thing. Feel sorry for those people selling dog food. Yes. They need the money bad, okay? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got like 150 bucks or something to sell dog food for a few hours. Um, and I was like, oh my God, I'm a doctor selling dog food. But I just want to meet dog people desperately. And I didn't work there very long. I was there like three months or something. And I quit that job quickly because I got better. I My business grew fast, thank God. <laughs> but um, still, you have to hustle when you're a chiropractor and you're an animal chiropractor. You got to meet as many animal people as you can. You want to meet the people that sell the dog food. You want to meet the people that breed show dogs. You want to meet the, your people. Like I like performance people that want performance. I like people that want to win shit. Those are my <laughs> people. <laughs> so I like kind of those type A people who want to perform and have that high pressure situation. Cause I love it. Yeah. Um, not everybody thrives in that environment. So I tend to attract those people and try to network and meet as many of those people yeah. as possible. So you're a competitive polo player as well. Is that right? Yes. So competitive people, I would go to like town Lake and everyone training for their marathons. All those people have dogs. Mm-hmm. They can, if they're going to run, 12 miles and they're going to take their dog with them. Jesus, look at their dog. That (laughs) is a great client right there. Yeah. So if you like dogs and dog people go to the park, go where people exercise their dogs. That's big. That's a big one. Yeah. Um, I find it so important. Good too. Yes. Groomers are also good. Mm -hmm. Those are all good places. I was about to say, growing your business is all about who you know. And I think oftentimes we get in a bubble where we're always focused on where can I find my next client to where we may not think who is already seeing my ideal client. And like you said, maybe they're at the dog food store. Maybe they are seeing the doggy massage therapist, the horse massage therapist, the acupuncturist, you know, uh, the farrier. What other services are they already using? that you could meet those other service providers and, you know, develop a relationship because one, it benefits you to know someone who does that, right? Because people are going to ask, like, do you know someone that has a doggy daycare? Do you know someone that does dentals for horses? Do you know someone that does shoes? Like it just behooves you to meet these people because one, then, you know, someone who does that and does a great job, right? You can meet them face-to-face to determine if they're a good person. If you want to do business together, then two, they also, We'll send you clients, the word of mouth part, right? Where you're able to develop that network, earn a seat at the table if it's talking to veterinarians and working together on these cases. I have a handful of, um, you know, people that do dog acupuncture, massage therapists, uh, farriers, um, just, just a handful of like groomers and then dog food store. Like it's really great to know your people when you're starting a business because it really is, you're dropping yourself into a community and becoming an authority on your niche. And then there's other people that have, um, you know, it's like an umbrella where you're the top and then you have these other things that still relate to what you do that maybe you don't do that someone else does very well. So it's all about having a abundance mindset of, okay, well, I don't do that, but I have someone in my circle who does. And it sounds great that you develop that in a very unorthodox way <laughs> to start out with. You were the rock star, star, but huh? um... But another thing I want to add to that is other chiropractors are awesome referral sources because so many chiropractors have patients who understand chiropractic, 
believe in chiropractic, know that chiropractic works. Mm -hmm. And when they have a chiropractor, when they have a problem with their pet, they know how much chiropractic helps them and they want chiropractic to help their pet. And they're going to ask their chiropractor, Hey, can you adjust my dog? And a lot of these chiropractors that aren't certified are going to be like, no. Mm -hmm. And if they know someone that is certified and can adjust that patient's dog, they will send you that referral. And it's great to get those referrals because those patients already know that you can help their dog. Yeah. It's awesome. Absolutely. I think that's a really great point where we sometimes feel afraid to reach out to those other people in the same industry. Like I reach out to a ton of vets that are chiropractic certified. I said, Hey, if you're not available, I am. And if I'm not available, I know you are. So let's just trade, you know, we each need a vacation every once in a while. And then also, you know, talking to your colleagues, I don't see human patients at all anymore, but if someone asks me, Oh, you know, Fluffy's feeling so much better. I should get adjusted. Where are you going to send them? You know, having some people in your back pocket, is always a great idea. So you can take great care of that patient, not directly, but indirectly through somebody else and enabling them and their business to succeed. You know, it's awesome when we all work together, we all do well, right? Well, shifting gears a little bit, tell us a little bit more about your humble beginnings and then where you are now, because I understand you worked at several different locations and now you have a home base. Tell us about that transition of moving from several locations to now a central location. Yes. The, so I started what really brought me to Austin was I was working with a doctor that does, that does functional medicine and I wanted to learn more about functional medicine and nutrition, but I also had a lot of experience with sports medicine and I had my animal chiropractic side hustle at that time when I first got out of school. And so I spent several years building up the sports medicine human practice, but, um, and then I also started a corporate wellness independent contractor gig. And then I got another independent contractor gig working at a vet office. So I had house calls. I had three different offices where I was an independent contractor and out of school. It was a lot. It was a lot to juggle the schedule, but it was good hustle and I enjoyed it. Um, and honestly, it was nice to have people do stuff for me as far as the scheduling and the business stuff. It was a great transition where I could just focus on being a doctor focus on building good relationships with patients, building good relationships with my people, my network. And I didn't have to worry about the accounting, the website, the blog, the SEO, paying the rent, all that stuff. I mean, I didn't have to worry about that, which was nice. Um, which you do have to do when you are the business owner. You do. You do have <laughs> many different hats. Yes, so many hats. Um, So anyways, when the pandemic hit, all those independent contractor positions, with the exception of the vet office, went away. Mm -hmm. So I had no income, really. And uh, that's when I decided, I was like, I'm going to take Dr. Petra and Dr. Jay Comerick's course. I've always wanted to take one of those courses. I'm going to do it. And so I drove to Bancos, took that awesome course, the Advanced Animal Chiropractic course. And it was so inspiring for me to just jump, like literally jump off a cliff, did not know where I was going to land. I was like, I am going to do this on my own. I can do it. And I built a terrible website that I eventually (laughs) paid someone to fix. (laughs) And 
uh, which I'm terrible with all technology. Pay someone. If you're terrible at something, pay someone to do it for you. Mm-hmm. Not worth your time. Trust me. Um, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Still can't figure out how to use my YouTube. I'm working on that. But that's funny. Another well, story. It's, it's for great day. That, um, but anyways, now I have my own practice yeah. office in Southwest Austin that I can see animals and people in. And that's my home base and I'm booked up four days a week here. So it's good. Awesome. Awesome. So do you have, um, how do you balance your schedule? Do you have like certain hours for small animal patients now in your home base and then certain different hours for people or do they all just come mixed in together? Mixed in, all mixed in. I have a couple patients who are allergic to dogs. So I make sure not to schedule dogs that day because I have dog hair, hair on me, even if I like wipe it off, I try to, yeah. So I just make sure I don't, I put notes in there so that my, my admin doesn't put dogs on that day mm-hmm. or pe- if people schedule, I'll just move the appointment. Um, so there's a little bit of juggling there with those patients that are allergic to dogs, but um, for the most part, everyone loves coming in and seeing a puppy. Mm-hmm. Doesn't want to see a puppy and get adjusted. So it's been beneficial to kind of mix it up. That's awesome. That's awesome. Because I find a lot of human chiropractors when they take the animal chiropractic course, I don't want to say they're bored, but it's like, okay, neck pain, back pain. And they're seeing the same thing over and over again and becoming an animal chiropractor. You add that variety back in where you, you know, reignite your passion for doing what you do because, you know, it's not just the same thing over and over again, you know, and the animal patients are so thankful and the human patients, did my insurance pay for it? (laughs) So it's a little bit different of an approach. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've also always been cash practice right. from when I got out of school. So that was another smart move. And mm-hmm. I highly recommend anyone that's an animal chiropractor, just do that straight out. It's hard getting started, but then it's worth it in the end. Yeah. It's playing a slow game for sure. Because I feel like when you first get started, you're like, I need patients, especially for humans where you just want to get a network because then it's, you know, ease of access. They're already you're listed on the website. But then you do have the the communication barrier once you get out of network with insurance where you're like, hey, we don't do that anymore. This is why. And and a lot of patients want to use that insurance so they pay for it. But in the long run, I feel like it's to your benefit from a headache perspective and from a personal, you know, client care perspective. You know, it's a lot better not to have that middleman in the way. Um, That's why I left human practice. I was just I was so tired of you know, me trying to explain to the patient why their insurance wouldn't pay. And then they would have a different conversation with the insurance rep on the phone. And meanwhile, I'm beating my head against my laptop, trying to submit these insurance claims to get this covered. And I'm just like, I'm done. Like, I don't want to feel like someone else is telling me how to take care of my patient because they're sitting in front of me and this other person is just reading my notes. And there's a lot that you can't, you know, get from a, just a patient record, you know? So that's my spiel. I'm going to hop off my soapbox now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I could jump on there too, but I'm yeah. not going to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, anyway, let's shift gears a little bit. What was your biggest hurdle when you were starting your animal chiropractic practice? Oh, man. Biggest hurdle. Okay. Man, I would say, Oh, I mean, it's tough to, 
I, I think the, we talked about this ad nauseum earlier about the vet referral laws. That's a big, that's a big hurdle. I think as an animal chiropractor, it's definitely easier having a sister that's a veterinarian and having good relationships with veterinarians, but, but still, um, that has been a hurdle. I think, um, I think when I first started as an animal chiropractor, I got out of school and I kept wanting to get a job where I could also be an animal chiropractor, but all these people want to be assigned a non-compete. And I was like, I'm not signing a non-compete because I'm going to work on animals too. Like, for example, this is my last resort. If I, if I decide to like cave and join the corporate corporate world, I would go work for a Rosti because they have really good benefits. Yeah. I benefits. I would do it, but <laughs> but they have a non-compete and they're like, Oh, animal chiropractic. Mm. So that would probably be why I wouldn't, I couldn't get a job, mm-hmm. a real job other than working for myself because of that. And so that was kind of a hurdle being an animal chiropractor. Cause I was like, wow, um, I don't really have the security of a real job mm-hmm. with benefits. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. That's the scariest thing about being self-employed is, you know, you're like, who's going to pay for that insurance, uh, you know, in case anything bad ha- does happen. <laughs> yeah. You're, yeah. You're responsible for it. Right. Um, or, you know, 401k, you know, that's kind of hard to do if you're self-employed. So um, it's definitely more stressful being a business owner. So it comes with a flexibility, but it doesn't come with a stability that a lot of people are looking for, especially nowadays in a, in a world where we just don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, I feel like, especially. You got to um, get used to jumping off that cliff because it yeah. happens more than just once when yeah. you start a business. For sure. Yeah. But um, is this kind of fun? It is fun. And I highly recommend getting a great CPA. My CPA is incredible. And you got to have people that know what they're doing on your team Mm -hmm. and they will make that part so much easier. It's a lot easier to jump off the cliff. If you know, you have a safety net of people that are like, Oh, like, for example, I overextended myself this year. I had someone working for me and they weren't working for me anymore, but I wasn't prepared for them to not work for me anymore. And so I still had all these expenses and I needed their them to work for me, but they weren't working for me. And so I um, may have overextended myself, but there's this thing called a balance transfer. And if you have some credit card debt, you can transfer it over to a 0% interest credit card. That's something my CPA taught me. And then you pay it off with payments, like a $300 a month payment instead of a $5,000 credit card bill. Mm -hmm. So just a tip like having good financial sense will help you get out of those pickles sometimes. And so it doesn't negatively impact your business, negatively impact your life, that type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. It can be scary, especially when you feel like you want to open this location, you want to hire staff, you want to get all this equipment and you're like, do I take a business loan? Right. And that comes with more debt and you're already in student loan debt. So that can be definitely scary if you don't have someone to advise you because, you know, some people like me personally believe all debt is bad debt, but there's different kinds and it's on a spectrum, you know, and it's, it's definitely something you want to have a conversation 
um, about this kind of stuff. I definitely recommend a small business attorney and an accountant and then someone to help you with the, the tech savvy stuff, because there's a lot of YouTube Academy that happened <laughs> when I was first starting out. Like, okay, how do I start a website? How do I get listed on Google? How do I do this? How do I do that? And I feel like I made all the errors myself which was good. I learned a lot of stuff so I can translate it to people now who listen to the podcast. However, I feel like I wasted a lot of time doing that. So I feel like I, I maybe would have been further ahead had I, had I invested in the who instead of trying to figure out the how is uh, a quote that I, I find very, very beneficial and meaningful to me. Find the, find the who, not the how. <laughs> yes. And I actually trade services with some of those people, Mm -hmm. Uh, like my, my website designer and my blog writer, that's all trade. Like they send me an invoice and I credit their account and I trade for that. And so that's another thing. I also trade for massage therapy. I trade with a lot of my people that are good referral partners Mm -hmm. um, because they also support, they love you and support you. They want you to stay in business and grow your business because you're helping them feel better too. So there's that as well. Like trading is a great way to um, help if you don't want to go into debt when you're trying to do some of those things. Absolutely. I actually trade services with a canine massage therapist. I have a geriatric senior lab. He's 10 and uh, he gets a massage about every six weeks and her dogs get adjusted about every six weeks. So it's really beneficial because that's not within my skill set to spend that dedicated time working on um, him in the way that he needs. And then she also gets the benefit of um, me working on her animals. And she has this 21 year old cat who I have no idea how he's still alive, but chiropractic's keeping it alive. It's one of those things. We have no idea why or how he's still with us, but she's like, you're going to keep coming till he passes. So it, it's pretty cool. Um, to have that relationship because we kind of tag team, um, you know, on our own animals. But um, anyway, the people you meet along the way um, is interesting. I actually met her through a trade show when I first got started when trade shows were still a thing. And uh, she's like, I've been looking for someone for so long who does what you do. And I'm like, well, I've been looking for someone who does what you do for so long. So it's kind of one of those serendipitous things. And you never know who you're going to meet, but once you have that relationship, you know, we've been good referral partners where we share patients back and forth. So always treat those people who refer to you well. Um, and it's good karma. So. Right on. Yeah. So what is your best piece of advice for people who are looking to start an animal chiropractic practice and anything that you have learned that you wish you could instill in these new practitioners? Oh man. Um, yeah, I would say, be prepared to work hard. I also think you got to take care of yourself because there's two types of, I guess, animal chiropractors. I think there's some that kind of cruise, cruise along and want everything to kind of come to them, which is fine. You're not going to make very much money, but you're not going to be as stressed out. And then there's the hustlers that like run themselves into the ground. And so you've got to have a balance between those two (laughs) things. So if you're eating, if you're eating fast food, eating gas station food three times a week, because you're hustling, like pack a cooler with some carrots and hummus and pack a sandwich or a salad. Like you've got to get, get your smoothie in every day. Like you've got to do something for yourself to keep your engine running, or you're going to blow out your shoulder. You're going to hurt your back. I'm just saying this because I've done both of those things. I've done all these things. 
I've literally done it all yeah. and learned my lesson. And I didn't take care of myself in the beginning. I just hustled and screwed up my body. And now I'm 33 and I feel like I'm 45 and I'm trying to keep myself from having to have shoulder surgery or back surgery. I mean, I don't know, I'm not back surgery, but eventually mm-hmm. I'll get stem cells and all that mm-hmm. good stuff, which is $1,200 a shot, which I can't afford that right now. Yeah. Four horses. So, you know, hmm. yeah. Work-life balance is part <laughs> of my advice. Like you've got to have things that give you joy and give you a reason to want to continue being a chiropractor. For sure. For sure. And I absolutely resonate with that. I think for the first three years of me practicing, I did not have that, um, you know, where I forgot that, oh, my body's my instrument. I got to work out. I got to stay strong, especially when you're working on large animal. And then Mm -hmm. mentally, mentally, I didn't think working on small animal would be that difficult per se, but like emotionally, it's so hard when you love these animals, like your own patient. And then unfortunately they do pass away. They can't be with us forever. So emotionally, spiritually, you got to work within yourself to, you know, be able to cope with that. And then also, I I don't know uh, for other people, but relationship wise, I've learned a lot about my relationship. Um, being an entrepreneur, I said, I'm having a tough week. I don't want to take it out on you. And just like saying that before you unload your week on somebody else, just saying like, Hey, this is where I'm at. I still love you, but I just need to take a minute, you know, before you unload on somebody else, just, you need to reflect and let things go. Um, and that, that can be really, really hard because, you know, definitely if you're a perfectionist, like I am, you want to have control over everything. And unfortunately being an entrepreneur, you don't have any control. (laughs) You just are, like you said, you got to jump off that cliff and pray there's a parachute, you know, attached to your back sometimes. But I've learned a lot uh, taking care of myself in order to take care of my patients better. And um, hopefully other providers do not have to learn that the hard way because this should be a profession you want to do for the rest of your life. It should not be a job that you do temporarily. I think that animal chiropractic is probably the best thing since sliced bread. It helps a lot of patients. You're going to perform some miracles. It's not if it's when that's going to happen. And so many patients need us for sure. Well, Dr. Massey, thank you so much for being on the podcast. If people resonate with you, want to learn more about you, where's a good place that they can find you? Um, well, I have a Facebook page at Elite Motion Performance, and my website is um, www.amassychiro.com. So that's probably the best. Or Instagram, you can look me up on Elite Motion Performance. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Uh, guys, if you're listening, please let us know how we're doing. Scroll down on however you listen and leave us a review. Let us know how we can serve you and your growing animal chiropractic practice. Again, we're at Making Strides for AnimalChiropractic.com. And I hope you had a great day and a great week in practice. We'll talk again soon. Hey guys, just want to remind you our big bail sale is still going on. It ends May 31st. If you're looking for a custom animal chiropractic bail with your colors and your handle placement that is going to hold up to your rugged animal chiropractic business, look no further. You can look into our animal chiropractic bail covers at makingstridesforanimalchiropractic.com, but don't delay. We are offering this bail sale only once a year, where if you order one, you get 5% off. If you order two or more, 10% off. Those are big savings. These are high quality, high ticket items. You guys, please look us up on makingstridesforanimalchiropractic.com and order your animal chiropractic cover today.
Hey guys, Dr. Katie here. Thanks for listening. My intention behind starting this podcast was to build awareness and promote our amazing profession. If you like what we're doing here, please like, share, or leave a review. Help us to spread this movement so we all can begin to take steps towards change. Let's make strides for animal chiropractic.